Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports, and this is Ben and Barry on football. Hello out there. This is Ben Dickerson. I'm your co-host. The NFL season is over. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are champions. My daughter is a Tampa Bay fan, so as we like to say every time they score when we're watching a Tampa Bay game, fire the cannons! <laughs> and I hear that they did after the game. Yes. They were restricted from firing the cannons after touchdowns, which is what they would normally do at a home game, because although they were at home, it was not officially a home game for them. Therefore, they couldn't use it uh, during the game, but they were allowed to use it after the game if, in fact, they won, which they did. We're going to talk in depth, and we being, this is Ben and Barry on football at www.benandbarryonfootball.com. And um, I also want to mention that we are going to be on the radio. I'll give all of that information out a little bit later, but we'll be on WJRL at WJRLradio.com. In any event, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl in depth. I have a lot of information that I've been, I've gone back. I've looked at I'm the impressed. I'm I've impressed. looked at the coaches film, you know, coaches film. Wow. Coaches film. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but from what I understand, that wasn't the only Super Bowl being played. There was another Super Bowl in the fantasy world. I thought you were going to say the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. They had, on Good Morning Football, they had the puppies on the... Um, oh, one of the puppies was on um, Angry Runs. Angry Runs. Yeah, Runs. he was a beast. <laughs> yeah he was he was it was one on two he was pulling them two dogs man and whatever they was doing he was giving it to him so yeah yeah and and he was such a sentimental favorite i knew k was going to cave and go for the dog you know and that's not even fair for the humans because you just can't compete with doggy cuteness it just it's difficult you know what i mean Especially on an angry run, even holy mackerel. So, well, first of all, tell D that I said congratulations. I certainly will. You know, uh, her will. team, her team won, and uh, you know we'll talk about that. No, I was talking about Mr. Fantasy Football, Mr. Dickerson here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk to yeah. me a little bit about. Oh, uh, you know, you had a Super Bowl. You had a finale. Yes, I did. Um, uh, if if You've been watching out there. You hear me speak of fantasy quite often. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm always talking about my myriad of fantasy teams and all the different leagues I'm in and all that stuff. But you may hear me mention my main league, and I call it my main league. We call it the Premier Fantasy Football League. And the great thing about that league is that we play all the way through to the Super Bowl. So uh, just to keep it as fast as I can. Um, basically what we do is when the regular season ends, the two teams that win their division get buys in the first round. We don't play on week 17 at all. 
The wild card round comes around. The second and third place teams in each division play each other. But before we do that, we have to have another draft. So all the teams that don't make the fantasy playoffs have to unload their teams and we have another draft. So all the teams that are in the fantasy playoffs get to draft players that are in the NFL playoffs so they can restock their rosters with players that are actually playing. When we have a, a normally we'd have an 18 player roster limit. When I say player, that includes kickers and defenses. And, um, but uh, for the playoffs, we are allowed 14. Um, and then after that, the two teams that are going to play in the Super Bowl, everybody else unloads their rosters again. And then those two guys get to draft from the two teams that are playing in the real NFL Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the player or the, uh, the fantasy owner that has the, uh, the top seed or had the best record gets to pick first. And you also get to keep any players that you had on your original playoff roster or your original season roster, uh, regular season roster. You can keep those guys, but we can only pick a roster of nine players, which is your starting lineup. Turns out the person I was playing is a big Chiefs fan. So he already had Mahomes. He already had Kelsey. He already had Tyreek Hill. And he already had uh, the Chiefs defense. I think he had the kicker too. Okay. I had nothing. I had nobody. So the only, so he got to draft first. So he, he already had several Chiefs. He got to draft first. The only hard and fast rule we have is, you cannot have the number one player at a skill position from each team on your team. So in other words, fantasy statistics said that Ronald Jones was the number one running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He already had Hilaire, Edwards Hilaire. So he was not allowed to draft Ronald Jones, but he could draft Fournette, who was the de facto number one at the time the game was to be played. Um, he threw me a curve. His first pick was Chris Godwin, which kind of messed me up because I really thought he was going to go Fournette. So then I had to go Fournette. So basically, he already had Mahomes. I automatically get Brady. He already had Hill. I automatically get Mike Evans. He, he already had Kelsey, so I would normally automatically get Gronk. Mr. Genius didn't take Gronk. I let him sit. I picked all receivers. So basically, he had Mahomes, Darrell Williams, Edwards Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Hardman, Kelsey, Godwin, Butker, and the Chiefs. I had Brady, Fournette, Jones, um, Sammy Watkins, Scotty Miller, um, A.B., Evans, Suckup, and the Bucks. The prediction for the game, the fantasy prediction for the game said that he was supposed to beat me by 34 fantasy points. I won the game by 17. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I had full faith in the Buccaneers. I had no problem with the fact that he had all those Chiefs. I did try to get, I did get Sammy Watkins because I thought I needed a Chiefs player 
to kind of even things out. But other than that, I went in with full confidence and uh, it paid off. Remind me again, who had Gronk? I would have automatically gotten Gronk. He could not take Gronk because he already had Kelsey. So you can't have both number one at any position. So the tight end position, he had their number one. He could not take Gronk. I had the option to take Gronk, but I decided not to. If you remember last week when we made our video, I said I thought there was going to be a lot of passes thrown in this game, much to my chagrin, because I really was hoping that Tampa Bay would really use their run game. I thought they had the superior run game, and um, that, would, that would be a good thing for them. Um, it did turn out to be that way, but before the game, I was a little worried. I thought it was going to be a big-time passing attack from both teams, so I figured I better load up on, on wideouts. Turns out, if I had take Gronk, I'd have blown him out. So, yeah, really, I went either way. And, and it's funny because uh, we'll talk again. We will talk more about the game, um, but that Brady Gronk connection. Uh, I even when we were talking about the game last week, I don't think that I delved into it as much as I have talked about, you know, the Brady Gronk connection. Because to be quite honest with you. Grady, Brady is great when he has Gronk. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Gronk didn't have a big statistical year this year. And coming That's down okay. the stretch and through the playoffs early, he was almost invisible. Cameron Brate was the man. That's okay. It's clutch Almost time. like they lulled him to sleep. Oh, absolutely. But it's That's like all I'm talking about. It's what like, did we say in so many of the previous things? When in doubt, Gronk him. <laughs> right, right. So, but congratulations, man. You are the champion. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> just you gotta go run on top of my mini art museum a couple times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, so uh, do, do you get a trophy? I mean, I, I know you guys have your fantasy yeah. going on. But do, you, do you actually get a trophy? Yeah, we actually have a trophy. Maybe uh, sometime while we're going on here, I'll, I'll pull it out so everybody can see it. Because oh, I'm you have it already. It just well, it just so happens that I had it because you know with COVID and all, I didn't get a chance to run it down to the place and and get uh, last year's champ put on there. So I ended up having to keep it because you know we're not you know we're socially distancing and all. But um, yeah, I, I have it. So I'm I'm in charge of getting a new label put on it every year for whoever wins the championship. And now that I've won it, it can stay right here where it is. <laughs> Just like Tampa Bay winning it at home, Ben wins it at right. home. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. All right. Let's get ready to kick off the show and talk a little bit about wrapping up the 2020-2021 Super Bowl 55 season. And, you know, everybody's doing their power rankings we do the Sterling net point power rankings. So let's start with that. And we're going to start with the bottom 10 here. Uh, most of these teams are teams that you talk about relative to their promise or their future, what they look like they can do. For the people who are uh, on the radio, we'll just kind of talk about this a little bit. I'll give the categories and some of the information. 
All of this will be available at the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings page on Facebook and uh, probably at Ben and Barry or football on Facebook because usually we share this stuff back and forth. But long story short, you'll be able to see the full range of these statistics. So Ben, the bottom 10 in terms of rankings, you see a few common themes across net points. Now again, net points is the difference between points for and points against, which are our, which are our next two columns. PF points for, PA points against, and our favorite friend Todd, TOD, turnover differential, because that is something we also consider as, as one of the essential statistics. And these are all essential statistics. Now, as you can see in net points, this is, and in turnover differential, these are statistics that go both positive and negative. And at any particular point, we always like to remind people, half of the league is in the negative and net points and in turnover differential. So if you've lost three straight, you're in the negative in, in uh, net points and probably in turnover differential. Let's talk quickly about number 32 because number 32 got a new coach. One of my former, I'm a 49er fan, Ben's a, a, a Giant fan. Coach Salah, my defensive coordinator, is now the head coach of the Jets, sitting there with a potential number one or number two. Which one is the, which draft position are the Jets uh, at, one uh, or two? I believe Jacksonville has the number one pick. Jets are probably picking it too. Right, right. So what do you think? Well, I mean, I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about these guys, including my Giants that are on this part of the list. Um, they did not have good seasons. They all have their issues. We will do a, um, uh, a draft uh, show. We'll have our, uh, well, there's no combine this year, but we will have a lot to talk about as far as uh, new rookies coming in and their pro days and how they did. So we'll, we'll get to talk about all that. And at that point, we can kind of give somewhat of a forecast of what we believe is going to happen with uh, a lot of these other teams. But the Jets, I believe, have themselves quite a good coach. Uh, I respect uh, Mr. Salah quite a bit. I think uh, he may be able to turn their fortunes around. I don't know how quickly he'll be able to do it. But um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their first pick. Jacksonville is probably going to take a uh, quarterback uh, first. Um, but they've got some other issues, especially on defense. So it's going to be tough for them. Detroit just got Jared Goff. He's their quarterback of the present and their future. He's younger than Stafford. Uh, he hasn't had any really bad injuries. They believe he's the guy that's going to help them with their turnaround. Uh, Denver Broncos, they have a lot of issues. Cincinnati's got Joe Burrow, showed a lot of promise. Philadelphia 28, still, 29 in net point rankings. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Philadelphia's got a ton of issues. I can't even begin to figure out what's going to happen or what they need to do because there's so many opinions out there. And quite frankly, they don't even seem to know what they want to do. Um, Houston Texans are in a really bad way. They're, it looks like they're going to lose Deshaun Watson. They're saying that they're not going to trade him. He's saying that he is not going to play. Um, we might have a little Emmett Smith thing here where he just decides 
I'm not going to show up to camp and I'm just not going to play. I'm just going to sit out. And so we'll have to see what happens there and be foolish for them to try to keep him if he decides he's going to sit out. Dallas has some issues too, not quite as many as Philadelphia does, but, um, you know, their whole thing kind of hinges on Dak Prescott. The Giants could use some help on offense. Uh, some of the um, draft experts out there are saying that they're going to go for a wide receiver. There are some saying they're going to go for an edge rusher. Uh, I myself really like Micah Parsons, who's a linebacker at Penn State. I think they could use him. He would be a worthy first-round pick. Carolina, hmm, man. I don't know. Poor Teddy Bridgewater. I feel bad for my man, but I think they're going to take the quarterback too. So we're going to have to see what happens there. Well, just to run it down real quick, 23 Carolina, 24 Giants, 25 Dallas, 26 Houston, 27 Philly, 28 Cincy, 29 Denver, 30 Detroit, 31 Jacksonville, and 32 the Jets. And notice, Ben, three out of four teams from the NFC East are in the bottom 10 in net points. They're in the bottom 10, three out of the four in the bottom 10 in scoring. But the only one that's in the bottom 10 defensively is Dallas out of the NFC East. Yeah. So everybody else defensively is out of the cellar, <laughs> except for Dallas, who um, had a, just a horrible, horrible defense, uh, especially while um, – Dak was playing. He Dak couldn't score enough points to overcome that defense back then. So at least the games were exciting and worth watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you knew that they could score. It was just what was going to happen, you know, with from the other team. All right. So that wraps up 23 to through 32. And again, look, 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 there we go. This is Ben and Barry on football, and we're going to be on WJRO Radio 95.3 at WJROradio.com. All right, Benny, let's look at the middle 12 here, 11 through 22. I'll just run down net points real quick because number 11, we're now in the positive range with the LA Rams at plus four net points. Number 12, the Arizona Cardinals, 2.7. 13, Tennessee, 2.6. Now we're getting into the negative in terms of net points. And here's your Washington football team at negative 0.1. Cleveland, negative 0.3. 15, 16, Chicago, negative 0.6. My beloved 49ers at number 17 with negative 0.9. So at least these teams are... They're in the negative, but they're less than a point in the negative. Atlanta at 18, minus 1.1. 19, New England, minus 1.7. Your Chargers at minus 2.6. Vegas, minus 2.8. And the Vikings, minus 2.8. So that's net points. Again, these charts will be at the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings or the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings on Facebook. So, Benny, there's your middle team. The L.A. Rams just got a new quarterback. I'm not sure what's going, to, what's going on with Arizona right now, where they're, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. Tennessee was a contender. Um, Derrick Henry, Offensive Player of the Year? Yes. All right. We, we, I, I did list uh, the different players of the year on Ben and Barry on football on Facebook. 
So if you go there, you'll be able to see that whole list, offensive, defensive, rookies, all of that. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but when you look across this, the spectrum here and you see Pittsburgh and at 12 offensively, you see Indianapolis at 11 defensively, you see Green Bay at 15th defensively, even lower than that at 17th, my Niners. In between that, see, uh, excuse me, the Seattle Seahawks, um, 16th defensively. So we've got, there's some work that needs to be done in the NFC West, uh, especially, in, and we're talking about a range of scoring allowed defensively from about 22, a little under 23 points to a little over 26 points. So not a big spread in that middle 11. But who do you like that maybe can come out of this middle 11 next year? Well, uh, I'll tell you, as I look at this list, the only teams that I would rule out, and of course, it's super early. I mean, the season just ended. I can't really predict, you know, what's going to happen next year. But I would say the teams that have the best chance of making a run at the top 10 would probably be the Rams, the Titans, the Browns. That's about it. You know, I, mean, I couldn't put my Niners in there. No, I'm not. Because, you know, a lot of our problems, we had a lot of injury issues, quarterback, et cetera, et cetera, you know. So that 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 uh, points for it took a, took a big hit. Uh, our, our defense, we had a lot of injuries there. Points against took a big hit. So, no, eh? not, not – you don't see us – No, I can't. You know why? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And, and it wasn't just injuries. You guys didn't handle COVID very well either. Y'all had a lot. You're not the only team. But since we're talking about 49s, they did not handle COVID very well at all. They had a lot of COVID issues. But on top of that, you've got a quarterback issue. When you have a quarterback issue, that's a big deal. I mean, we don't know if they're going to keep Garoppolo. We don't know if they're going to try to trade Garoppolo. We don't know if they're going to try to to, to, to get another quarterback in the draft and maybe groom him. Um, it's all about, you know, do you feel like your team is ready to win now? Are you, or are you in rebuild or are you a player or two away? And, you know, there's a lot coming up. I mean, we got, you know, free agents will be out there, the draft, of course. So it's hard to say, but I'm just saying, uh, your defensive issues were pretty plentiful, even beyond the um, the injury. So, yeah, it's 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 hard for me to to shine a good light on on the 49ers right now. But anything can happen. Things can change. You know, uh, I mean, even Chicago showed flashes, but again, they still got quarterback issues. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's this, the, it's the toughest position. It's the most important position in the game. And if you're not solid at that position, then things aren't going to be right. Things just aren't going to be right. You know, it's interesting um, to talk about uh, personnel because, you know, uh, I'm 
I have some issues with some personnel choices. I will say this much on, you know, you're the fantasy guy. I'm the Madden guy. I'm loving Ayuk on Madden. He's, he's a clutch guy for me now, man. I know you've talked about Ayuk, you know, in the past, him and Debo. That's a nice little com- combo. Um, the only challenge is that, you know, we don't have that guy, you know, who with the super scary speed, but we do have guys that can run, get open, they're tough and the whole bit. So um, just depends on what he wants to run. Okay. Uh, points for, uh, we have Minnesota at the top there and the Rams at the bottom uh, at 22nd rather. So when I say the bottom, this is from 11 to 22. Uh, Cleveland coming in 22nd on defense is Chicago and turnover differential. Uh, again, points against Green Bay, 23.2. When, when, when Aaron gets mad about their choices for who they're drafting, do you think uh, defense is part of his calculation or is he just thinking about, you know, I could have had DK Metcalf or somebody like that, you know, to throw to? It's tough to say. Um, Aaron, I mean, I don't know Aaron Rodgers, obviously, but uh, he kind of comes off as the kind of guy who his first thought is, get me more weapons. And um, I would think that, I mean, let's face it, look how well he did with basically Devontae Adams and a bunch of dudes, you know? Uh, Alan Lazard is going to be a big-time player for them, I think he, he's going to be a guy that they're going to be able to depend on and coming down the stretch, um, scant without their scantling showed a little bit more promise. He didn't drop as many balls. Um, good off season. Uh, he needs to hook up with Aaron during the off season, get some extra work in. He's going to be a big plus, uh, their defense showed that they can play together at times. They were not bad. Obviously, giving up 23.2 points on average per game is not good. But when you have Aaron Rodgers and you got a good running game, which they do, and you get him some more weapons, they'll just outscore people and they'll still win games, which is what they were doing until, you know, they ran into the Bucs. So I'm not going to worry about Green Bay too much. Look at look at this, Ben. Points four, number 12, Pittsburgh. Number 13, Cleveland. Pittsburgh scoring 26.6, Cleveland scoring 26.3. Close offenses in the same division there, man. That is, uh, that's an interesting scenario right there. Yeah, well, you're going to see a bigger difference in that next year, I am sure, okay? Big Ben's on his way out. And Baker Mayfield's on his way up. You look at their rosters offensively, player for player, Cleveland's better. They're just better. Player for player, right? You like Cleveland. I mean, okay. I got to give Pittsburgh's young receiver core uh, a little bit more credit. If you go player for player just in the receiver cores, okay, I got to give that to Pittsburgh. But then, you know, Big Ben – coming near the end of his career kind of takes away from that. You know what I mean? And Cleveland has the superior run game hands down. Mm, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the superior offensive line hands down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, so you know, relative to the backs compared to backs, uh, but anybody has usually has a difficult time running against that Pittsburgh defense, even if you got some good backs. So um, we're going to get ready to move on before we, we jump up to the top ten. Any last thing you want to say about eleven through twenty-two here? No, um, just that uh, I expect the Rams to be better. I expect Tennessee to be a contender again, and I think Cleveland is going to make some noise. Uh, I, I mentioned Pittsburgh and Cleveland as being uh, thir- 12 and 13 on uh, offense, but uh, I happen to notice on defense, uh, looking at 16 and 17, you got the Seattle Seahawks and my San Francisco 49ers at 23.6 and 24.4, like a, a basically a point apart defensively. So both of those teams, we know, have to get their defensive acts together, no doubt about it. My Niners do. And Seattle is not Seattle until Jamal uh, – what's Jamal's last name? Adams. Adam. Until Jamal Adams showed up and then also the other linemen that they – that all of a sudden really started wrecking things. So – that's going to be an interesting scenario. And now uh, there's a whole conversation with Russell about um, uh, having a say. So we're going to talk about the whole quarterbacks having a say thing in the commentary. So I don't want to go into that too much. All right. Let's go to one through 10 and remind people that this is Ben and Barry on football. And we are going to be on WJRL. Uh, 95.3 online at wjrlradio.com. All right. Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings 1 through 10. All right, here we go. This is this is this is it right here. So the one thing that's very interesting I'll say about the Net Point Power Rankings, number 1, is the team that won the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in terms of net points. Tampa Bay uh, is positive 9.1. Now, these are average numbers, okay? Uh, You see them at number two in scoring at 30.8. You see them at number seven defensively at 21.6. And number one on turnover differential at plus 0.7. So again, congratulations to Tampa Bay uh, on being able to to get it done. Uh, Interestingly, the Kansas City Chiefs are coming in at 10th defensively. They were close. They were only less than a point apart going into this. Uh, So the the, the, um, domination by Kansas City, uh, we're going to talk about how that came about. Number six, Kansas City net points at 5.7. They're also at number six offensively, finishing out the year 28.5. Um, one through 10, and I'll run through it real fast. Number uh, Starting at one, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Green Bay, New Orleans, Buffalo, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, Seattle, and Miami. Those are your top 10 rankings and by net points. Points four, one through 10, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Tennessee. And we're talking Green Bay at 31.5 points a game, Tampa at 30.8, Buffalo 29.6, Tennessee 29, excuse me, Buffalo 29.9, 
Tennessee, 29.6. New Orleans, 29.1. Number six is Kansas City at 28.5. Seattle, 28.2. Seventh, Indianapolis, 8, 27.6. Baltimore, 27.3 at nine. And the Raiders finishing up in 10th place, scoring at 27.1. And I, I hear that uh, they kind of pushed off any talk about it, uh, moving Derek Carr, even though I think Derek Carr believes that, you know, any, any possible possibility always exists that a deal could be made and he could be moved. But right now it seems like he's not trying to go nowhere. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the NFL. So the possibility always exists. And we're talking about John Gruden here. And I know John Gruden seems to have uh, a lot of love for Derek Carr, um, but he also wants to win games. So if if the right scenario comes about, Derek Carr gets moved. Don't be surprised. You know, it's funny. I don't. I, I don't think I've ever really felt that he has a lot of love for Derek Carr. Feeling that it's like he's a good quarterback. He's getting it done. So I'm gonna let him stay. It's kind of the way I'm thinking. He looks at him, but. Uh, okay, if you say so. A lot of love. I don't know. Defensively, number one, the Ravens, 18.5 points per game allowed. Ben, if defenses win championships, how is Tampa Bay coming in at seventh? <laughs> it's about matchups. We understand that. Mm-hmm. Rams at second, 19.3. The Saints, three. Miami, four. Pittsburgh, five. The Washington football team, we talked about how uh, that they, they were, uh, you know, so low offensively, but they're right there in the top 10 defensively. Tampa Bay 7, 8, the Patriots. And, and isn't that interesting that the Patriots, through everything that they had, still wound up in the top 10. Congratulations, uh, sir, the New York Giants coming in at number 9 defensively. Uh, uh, 0.5 points above number 10, the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's fantastic, man. Fantastic. Congratulations on that. And last but not least, turnover differential. Tampa Bay coming in at one. Tennessee, two. Indianapolis, Miami, Cleveland, Green Bay, Buffalo, Kansas City at eight. Pittsburgh, nine. And New Orleans at 10. So those that rounds up your top 10 in net points, points for, points against, and Turnover differential. All right, your turn. What you got? Uh, okay, so I'm going to go back over to net points and using points for and points against as uh, a reference. Um, the Miami Dolphins are going to be hard. Now I'm starting from 10, work my way up. Okay, so Miami Dolphins are going to be hard pressed to get back in the top 10 and stay there by the end of next season. Uh, They showed a lot of promise. They won a lot of games. But again, we have a team that has quarterback issues. I'm not sure they're sold on Tua. Um, They can't keep riding Fitzmagic Fitzmagic forever. They've got to do something to solidify the quarterback position. If they go all in on Tua, then he's going to have to show some improvement. Other than that, they've got a great young defense. And um, they had a rookie running back, uh, Gaskins, who played really well. They've still got some good receivers. They could probably use another one. Maybe they'll get somebody in the draft because I think they're big. Well, 
they're picking, they had a good record. So they're picking near the end of the first round, unless they pick up some picks from somebody else. Uh, but they don't have as much work to do as a lot of these other teams do. Uh, Miami's going to be good. They're going to be really good. But whether they can put it together and win games, like they kind of caught some teams by surprise this year, I don't know. Seattle Seahawks, as long as they have Russell Wilson, they're going to be all right. They got a lot of work to do on the defensive side. I mean, they, they, they just they had a lot of trouble stopping teams, even when Russ was playing well. Uh, he cannot carry that entire team on his back. He just can't. He's got the receivers. They've got the running game. But they have to be able to keep the other team out of the end zone or they're going to have another season just like the one they just had. It's going to be rough. OK, Indianapolis Colts are knocking on the door. These guys are knocking on the door, but Phillip Rivers retired, which means they have a quarterback issue. OK, so again, it's going to be hard, but their defense is really good. Their defense is really good. It, and I, I know you won't see them over there in the uh, points against category in the top 10, but you will see them sitting at number three in turnover differential. Those guys play really well together, very active, got a lot of youth. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, Pittsburgh, I think Pittsburgh is one of those teams that's on the way down. Remember, I mentioned three teams in the middle, 12, that I thought could possibly get into the top 10, which means somebody in the top 10's got to go. I think that team's going to be Pittsburgh. I think really? Gonna, yes, I think they're going to have a really tough season next year. And, you know, tough by Pittsburgh Steelers standards. I'm not saying they're going to stink, but I'm saying they're going to be hard-pressed to, to finish uh, in the top group here. Kansas City, they'll be right back. No problem at all. Obviously, they're going to have to do some work with uh, the offensive line. Um, some of those injuries those guys had were, were bad injuries. We had a uh, guy had two torn tendons, uh, torn tendons in both knees. And uh, Fisher, who's their left tackle, um, uh, blew out his Achilles. So those are really bad injuries. Um, we have to see if those guys come back okay. So um, they're going to have to probably be looking at some offensive linemen in the uh, draft coming up. Buffalo will be back. Buffalo is strong. Uh, if you watched uh, our, our, our video from the uh, championship game, you heard us both say uh, a couple of times, think Josh Allen got caught like a deer in the headlights in the magnitude of the game. I didn't think that he would. I thought that he showed that he was ready for prime time, but he obviously wasn't. However, they have to improve their run game and they have to get some size up front. They opted to go with smaller, faster um, defensive linemen, and that didn't work out too well for them when it got cold and teams started running the ball consistently um, and they, they weren't able to get to the quarterback. So they're going to have to do some work on their defensive line. New Orleans Saints, again, quarterback issues. Um, hearing good things coming out of New Orleans about Jameis Winston, possibly getting a real good shot at becoming the starting quarterback there. Uh, did Breeze officially retire? No. No. Okay. So. so there you go. See, we still got issues. All right. We still got issues with New Orleans, but they showed improved defense, very improved defense. In fact, points against, they came in number three in the league. So, you know, they're on their way. They're sitting right there. 
Tennessee, as long as they have Derrick Henry, they're going to be tough. A.J. Brown, monster receiver. Ryan Tannehill has turned his, his career around. So Tennessee is going to be tough. Well, uh, Tennessee is not oh, – oh. They're not in the yeah. They're not in the top ten. I'm sorry, my eyes kind of strayed over the points. Over to the points four, where they're number four in scoring. Right, but I did mention them as a middle twelve team that could possibly bump up. So, okay, yeah, I think they're going to bump up. Uh, Green Bay. Now, <laughs> obviously, they're going to have to do some work on that defense. The need for another receiver may not be as great as we might have thought earlier in the season. Again, oh, you mean you mean the number one scoring position that, uh, uh, leads you to believe they might not be as bad off as, <laughs> as what they act? Oh, I need more weapons. Uh, dude, you, you scored more points than anybody else in the league on yeah. average. And that's why he's the MVP. And that's why he's the first ballot. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's all on him. But how many years can he keep doing that? Can't you know? So, I, I, well, I'm not saying it's all on him. Uh, it's not like he's playing with scrubs. He's got some nice talent around him. Well, okay. As I said a few got minutes, a nice ago, run game. As I said a few minutes ago, the run game is good, but MVS Valdez Scantling dropped a lot of passes, and Alan Lazard was injured for most of the season. I believe Alan Lazard is the truth. I believe he is a bona fide number two receiver if he stays healthy. Therefore, go back to my statement that I just made, they may not need as much help on offense as they thought earlier in the season. And as we all thought, because I remember saying myself, without Devontae, they stink because they can't stop people. They can't stop teams from putting 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 points on the board. Allen Aaron Rodgers has to outscore everybody. And it's tough to do when you only have one sure enough receiver. Yeah, so, again, Green Bay came in 15th defensively at 23.2 points per game, uh, equaling Buffalo at this, who came in at uh, 14th with the same amount. So Exactly. So you got to put together a package to get a big-time free agent on your defense a pass rusher, a linebacker. I, I can't even name a Green Bay linebacker. You know, they need secondary help. They have to lean hard toward fixing their defense for the upcoming season. And they don't have to lean as hard offensively, I believe, now, because of the development of Lazard and the development of Scantling and the development of uh, Tunyon, the tight end. So things aren't looking as bad on offense as they did, skill-wise, personnel-wise. But defensively, they got to get that fixed, and they got to get it fixed fast, or they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. I still think they'll finish a top-10 team, but they're going to struggle. The Baltimore Ravens, mm. I, you know, <laughs> I've been, I was praising them when Lamar finished his rookie season and went into the next season, and they you could tell that they obviously changed their offense to fit him. And I praised Harbaugh. I praised their staff. I thought that was great. And it was great. But 
and this is my personal feeling, okay? When you have three running backs, it's a problem. You can't give them all equal time. And they did that for the majority of the season, which held back the rookie running back, uh, uh, Dobbins. I think that held him back, okay? The Rams started off doing the same doggone thing until, uh, 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 geez, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know. You know, can running back there also. It took him time to take over. You don't give him back enough carries for him to get a feel for what's going on. That's right. And I think that's a problem with, with the Baltimore staff thinking that they need to do that when you don't really need to do that. And they also did not address their wide receiver core. Okay. They, they just didn't. They, they have a deep threat, but he's more of a threat than an actual producer. He didn't start producing until late in the season. Cool at tight end, but at wide receiver, they're hurting. And, you know. It, it, oh, you mean Dez is, then, then they, don't they have Dez now? No, Dez, I'm sorry. I love Dez. Dez is not the answer. <laughs> Dez is not the answer. But I think they'll address those issues and they'll be back. And of course, uh, Tampa Bay will be back. And, and uh, they got a lot of key guys in free, uh, coming up for free agency. Um, Mike Evans has already said he'll take a cut in pay to try to keep the team together. Brady's been taking cuts in pay for his whole career to keep teams together. So um, if they can keep that team intact, uh, they'll be right back in the doggone Super Bowl again next year. Their team is that good. Yeah. You, can you imagine if they actually have a chance to practice with a preseason and things of that right. nature with Brady? You know, right. could they actually be that much more better? Or is this about as good as it gets? We shall see. Um, but again, you mentioned Baltimore. They came in ninth in scoring at 27.3 points per game and number one defensively at 18.5. You, you almost think when you look at Tampa Bay in terms of coming in second offensively and seventh defensively that any of these teams in the top 10, uh, especially in points for and points against could actually be a contender. could have, could have gone, you know, ball bounces, you know, get, get a good game out on one day or the other could actually be there this past year and definitely in the next year. So, you know, like you said, New Orleans quarterback questions. Uh, I actually tweeted to Jameis, and I wasn't trying to be mean. I was actually trying to be helpful. But, you know, to realize that that was your team that just won the Super Bowl. You know, minus, you know, a few players. You got your Gronks and your ABs, you know, and they didn't have Fournette when he was there. Uh, so that's three big-time changes, no doubt about it. But most of that team was the team that he played for, you know, and the growth that is available to him uh, by, by looking at what happened with that team under Brady, how Brady brought that team along and, you know, was able to, to take that team to the next level. I think that's something that he can learn from and maybe become a little more mature, a little more of a leader, and especially with this opportunity that he might have in New Orleans. So that was kind of my point to him, you know, take a look and see what could be done with a team 
with the right leadership. So well, uh, I would say about that statement that it, it, you are right and you are wrong. <laughs> That's usual. That's not unusual. <laughs> okay, that wasn't exactly his team that won the Super Bowl. That was his defense that won the Super Bowl that he betrayed by throwing 30 interceptions when he was there. That was not his offense that won the Super Bowl because every key player in that game and coming down the stretch, all the difference makers, the big time difference makers were not on that team. They all came after Tom got there. Well, that's what I said. I said, A.B., you know, beside them, but he still had Godwin. He still had. No, I understand that. He still had, you know, running backs. So, yeah, no. One of the things that made Brady to me, as far as being the MVP of the game, was the fact that he did bring those guys. Because the other thing that I tweeted was that three out of the four touchdowns, and actually it probably could be four out of four, depending on how you look at Fournette, were scored by people that he brought there personally, you know? So I think that that in and of itself uh, was a statement. And from what I understand, uh, he might have lobbied for Fournette, you know? He did. He didn't didn't have that personal relationship. He did. But he lobbied for that. So, you know, uh, that's another point that's being – that is bringing up this whole conversation as far as quarterbacks. And I think when we do – uh, the next show or two, we need to get back to that brain trust because I think that brain trust now uh, is under pressure from the bottom of the brain trust, which is the quarterback. I mean, we, our brain trust went owner down the quarterback, but you start thinking about the quarterback in terms of a corporate hierarchy, you know, is he a, a supervisor? Is he just an employee? You know what I mean? And well, it uh, depends. It depends on who he is. And, I mean, what did we just what did we just say about Russell Wilson? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Russell Wilson looked at that team and looked at Tom Brady and looked at those guys that came over there, uh, you know, and, and that Tom Brady vouched for and saw what they did. And he said, hey, why can't I be that guy? Why can't I say we need to get this guy? We need to get that guy. I I don't I don't blame him. And, and I think that Russell Wilson has the credentials to be that guy. So, but, you know, that remains to be seen. But I understand why he's saying what he's saying, because he saw what Brady did. Well, you got Russell and you got uh, 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 Deshaun, you know. And so the quarterbacks are, are speaking out at, a, at another level. We'll, again, we'll talk about that a little later. So let's wrap up the top 10 in the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings. Again, this is Ben and Barry on football, and you can reach us at www.benandbarryonfootball. So, um, any last words on your top 10 in the rankings? No, we're good. We're good? All right, fantastic. What I'd like to do next, uh, Benny, is just to talk a little bit more in-depth about the game. About Let's dissect the game a little more. Because even you and I, during the game, you know, we would text back and forth as we've always done. And um, when the Bucks were going for it on fourth down, and I text you, I asked, is this a mind fart? You know, is this is this a mistake? And you were like, no, I, th- I would have gone for it. So uh, I would not have. 
So we know that, you know, within the game, different people make different decisions. All right, so we're going to talk a, a little bit more in depth about the game, Benny. You know, we've texted back and forth to, with each other, questioning some of the things that happened during the game. Uh, I would not have gone for it if I was the Bucks. You said you would have gone for it. So we know that philosophically there's some differences. But I want to talk a little more in depth, and I want to start off with this graphic that um, – that I saw, I saw in a Twitter feed. And we're gonna go from there. So let's remind everybody this that uh, we are Ben and Barry on football and we are uh, on WJRL 95.3 at WJRLradio.com. Here's your graphic, bam, Benny, what is this mess? Uh, I'm waiting for you to tell me. All right. Mike Giordani, Giordano, something of that nature, on Good Morning Football, uh, talked about this guy. He's a statistician. And he tweeted this. The top lines, all these squiggly lines at, at the top, those are all the paths that Mahomes took after the snap. So... Those are all the running around that Mahomes did. The white lines were incomplete passes. The red lines are completed passes. So as you know, they're saying he ran almost five football fields back and forth. Okay, let, let me make sure I understand this. There's a point in the middle near the top where all the lines seem to originate from. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that that is the line of scrimmage. And That's every line that comes from that point is the path that he took to roll out, run, elude the rush or whatever. Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. You see the one on the bottom? Yeah. That's Brady's paths. Oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> Brady, he's got a little line as an inch long, a couple things. He might have stepped left and stepped right a couple times. <laughs> Mahomes is running all over the place. And to be quite honest, he started running before I really thought he needed to. And in my thinking about this game and looking at it, I, <laughs> I kept saying to myself, okay, what kind of game plan did they need to have to deal with what they needed to deal with, especially relative to the offensive line? Let me preface it by saying way after the fact, just recently, they had a, a video on that showed the pep talk that uh, Kansas City's, I forget, they're, they're one of their main defensive linemen, um, was it Jones and, you know, the other guy. So he's giving a pep talk, and he's telling every he says to the lineman, an offensive lineman, we understand the situation here, but we expect you to rise to the challenge. Wow. <laughs> That's, that's that's not the right thing to say, bro. 
Oh my goodness, it's hilarious. We understand the situation here. So when I'm thinking, okay, Pat Mahomes has to become more of a game manager. Number one, he still had a bad foot, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got to run. Uh, you know, uh, instead of running a lot, I expected them to be, you know, a lot of short passes and make it a, a, a seven on seven, a nine on nine game. Because as, as my son said, at some point, you got to chase these guys out of that too high safety. You got to create a problem underneath that they're going to have to respect and they're going to have to come down to help either run the ball, which they didn't do too bad actually run. If you look at uh, Clyde uh, Allaire's um, yards per carry, but rather than, you know, in, in many cases, I'm thinking it's the, you know, it's the coaches and, and like guys are running 10 yard passes and they're not even turning around and Brady and, and, and Mahomes really didn't have time you know, in many cases to be throwing those deep passes, even the deep the p- passes that he, that he hit the receivers that were deep, they were double, triple covered. Now, amazingly, he hit them in the hands and he hit them in the helmet. It's amazing what he was able to do, but they were somewhat under duress. And I, obviously he was somewhat under duress. I just kept seeing times when I thought he could have thrown the ball short and he just looked like he was hesitating and looking downfield when that two-yard pass could have been a seven-yard gain, and they could have been controlling the ball a, a, a lot better and, and doing something to help that line out. If you knew that, if you really felt what, what uh, I'm calling him Jones was saying, you knew that line was going to be outmatched. So you're a coach. If you knew you had a line that was uh, going to have a matchup problem with that defensive line, how would you have approached game plan? Exactly the way exactly the way the Chiefs did. Get the quarterback moving. Even if he has a bad foot. Yes. Okay. Okay. You don't you wouldn't have gone for a short passing attack. I mean, let's face it, Andy no, Reid out of the West Coast offense, he should be he should be steeped in short passing attacks. Just just because I got him out moving doesn't mean that I, I can't throw short passes. I don't think that they really put that in the game plan. To me, and I watch the Chiefs play quite often this season, I believe that Andy Reid got out coached. I believe that he came in with his basic, normal, and when I say basic, obviously their offense is not basic, but he basically came in with his pretty normal offense, expecting the Buccaneers defense to play their normal defense. And he, <clears throat> he didn't make any adjustments for any changes they, that he thought they might make and have those adjustments in his pocket to pull out if, in fact, they did adjust their defense. Consequently, when he saw that things weren't working, he had nothing to go to. But just like, and I listen to, to talk radio here in Philly all the time, and people were complaining about Carson Wentz. And they were complaining about the offensive line and the injuries and moving this guy over here, moving that guy over there. And if you listen for an hour and 10 people called, seven of them said, why don't they run more rollouts and bootlegs? And the guys on the radio were saying, you're absolutely right. You can't stand in the pocket if you can't block the defensive rush. Todd Bowles is a maniac with the blitz. All season long, 
they blitzed like crazy and played man to man almost exclusively quite a bit. Of course, obviously they're famous for the Tampa two. He does use it, but he uses it situationally. He doesn't sit in it for an entire game. Andy Reid said, they're going to blitz us a lot. So we got to get him in the, on the move. We have to move the pocket so he can be clean and get off his passes. And Ty Bowles said, I'm rushing four. I'm sitting in Tampa two. I'm keeping somebody over top of Tyreek Hill. And Ben said, take your chances with Kelsey. And that's exactly what they did. Well, exactly what they did. Inter interestingly, I went back and the, 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 the quarter of note was the second quarter. And especially that right after that uh, a series where the Chiefs held at the goal line. And I saw when the uh, Chiefs got the ball back, Mahomes, from his own goal line. Quick pass right out the goal line. Boom. Eight yards. Boom. It was there. Yep. Because you and I know one way to offset a rush is to get the ball off within under two seconds. Correct. That doesn't always lend itself to doing a lot of unnecessary running around. The Absolutely interesting not. point was that right after that very successful play, on the next play, and he's only he was only on like his 12-yard line, they called a double reverse screen. So he gets the ball. The one back is goes to the left. He spins 360 to the looks like a screen on the right. And then he goes to throw back to the left. Completely unnecessary amount of motion. Uh, you know what, man? Listen, come on. I knew you were gonna come you're with gonna this. Throw a screen all these gimmick plays, rest, all the screen moving, all this pet. Listen, coming into this game, you said the same thing the Cats on TV said. Yeah, they got issues with the offensive line. Yeah, they're missing their two tackles. But they got Patrick Mahomes. He's right. not just going to sit there in the pocket. He can move. Oh, I he didn't say all that. I said they have Patrick Mahomes. You, some of your statements are within those statements. Because he, he can throw the ball at different angles. He can do this. He, he can could. do that. Like he was going to make up by himself it's it's the always problems they had on their offensive line it's always a team it game. didn't work they it didn't, didn't work. Let, me show you, let me show you this picture let me show you this picture okay i want to show you this picture all those gimmick plays you 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 talked Look, about their jet sweep remember i texted you and i said it looks like he's hesitating can you see this picture yeah i can see it how many open people does he have I can see two. I don't know if somebody's on Kelsey there. He's at the edge of the picture. If somebody's on him, they're over top of him. He's underneath them at the very least. He's got a back standing there. Right. He he's caught a bunch down, of He's looking downfield somewhere. And I'm saying, dude, throw the ball. You got people that are right there. That's your short passing game. You got really fast receivers. If, if, if you don't do anything but flare receiver out and throw the ball right away to give him a chance – to get a step one, whoever that linebacker is, you can get five to eight yards, boom, boom, boom. And that's what really has to happen if your line is not – if you're under duress. And for some reason he was he was hesitating. 
and he was looking downfield. And too many times I would see like this half halfback is standing there going, throw it to me. I can beat most of these guys. If you just give it to me, I'll get five to eight real quick. And I just saw that over and over and over again from him. So even as I was thinking that, that his coaches maybe didn't give him uh, uh, the short passing game that they should have, they were giving him underneath. He had underneath options. He just was not taking them. And so he really had probably his worst game that I've ever seen him play. And in a way, his greatest, because again, the throws that he made, that the fact that he actually hit receivers in the hands at one point, almost uh, throwing the ball from a parallel position in the air, were absolutely only Mahomes like in their amazing amazement, but were not an efficient use of his passing ability. And that's where I saw that they had a problem. Now, penalties. What did you think about the penalty situation? First of all, let me say that the people going on Facebook complaining about the penalties and saying stuff like, oh, they're giving Brady the game. That's a bunch of crap. Y'all need to stop. You're obviously not real football fans. You see calls like this week in and week out, okay? Sometimes There were a couple of calls that I thought didn't need to be made. One was on Matthew in the end zone uh, right before the half, which they ended up scoring. Yeah. And, and that's when him and Brady had their little back and forth. Okay. The one that people questioned the most was a holding call when Matthew got a pick that there was holding on Evans, I think. First of all, you call holding, you call pass interference, you call illegal contact. The man traveled beyond five yards and the DB had his hands on him. This is the kind of offense. This is the kind of, these are the kind of rules that people wanted. These are the kind of rules that are slanted toward offense. This is what you get when you come up with rules like this and you're going to put referees in position where they have to make these calls. The guy hit him on his shoulder. He slapped him on his side. He gave him a little shove. Evans did push off at the top of the wrap, but he had already been tugged on three times before he did it. I don't want to hear it. They didn't necessarily have to call that one, but I don't want to hear it. Plus, all those penalties happened in the first half. And what, what was the score at halftime? Uh, what was the halftime score? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Let me double check. It was 21 to 6. Yep. Score was 21 to 6. Now, did you think Kansas City was going to be able to come back? Did you expect them to mount some kind of a comeback? I'm not oh, saying yeah. win the game, but did you expect them to make a comeback? That's what they've been doing, so yes. Right, okay. So all that crying and, and uh, I don't, I don't, no, nah, I'm sorry. I don't see it. They showed guys running routes. Godwin was getting molested. They were grabbing, pulling on his jersey, shoving him. Evans, too. I was wondering if that was a coaching situation. Were they being coached to, to do that, or they just really were that inadequate that they just felt they had to grab every time? Because, again, we said 
the, those uh, um, Tampa Bay receivers, they do have speed. They, you know, they're no slouches. Yeah, they're no slouches, but they ain't no burners either. <laughs> they ain't no burners either. I don't know if they were grabbing because um, the D coordinator said be rough with them, push them around a little bit, and they just got caught. Because I've seen, well, I haven't seen it this year, but I remember Legion of Doom, their DBs used to play that way. But they didn't get caught. They didn't get a lot of penalties called on. They got a number, but they didn't get a bunch of penalties called on because they were good at it. These guys obviously were not good at it. You can't pull and tug on a receiver when he's trying to run his route. If you're side by side with a guy and the ball's in the air and you're hand fighting, that's one thing. Okay. Oh, speaking of which, I never heard so much crying as the pass interference call on the guy that fell chasing Mike Evans. People actually said that shouldn't have been no call. That Evans fell on his own. I'm look, I'm hearing this. I'm like, what are you people watching? The guy was, some people say that the ball was not catchable. Now, the ball may not have been catchable, but if you watch the replay of the play from the angle uh, where Evans is running like toward the camera, when he went down, the ball hit the ground. It was still in the frame of the camera. And if you watch just before the DB fell, and clipped his ankle, which he did, Evans was in full stride. He was moving. He was in full gait. There was a good chance that he catches that ball. He might have had to lay out for it, or he could have made a fingertip catch on the run and took that thing in. So I don't, I'm, I can't call that uncatchable. I just, I can't say that definitively it was uncatchable. But the bottom line is, the DB was struggling to keep up with him. He lost his footing. He fell. And whether he meant to or not, he touched him on his thigh and he clipped his ankle and made him fall. That's pass interference all day. That second quarter was disastrous, especially in the last minute or so. I'm looking here uh, from about four, 24 seconds. Uh, first and 10 Tampa Bay penalty from Breland, defensive pass interference with 13 seconds penalty with Matthew. And there was a unsportsmanlike conduct on Matthew, which was in the 15 yards. But there was one before that because there was a lot of yapping back and forth, uh, you know, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, you had uh, KC Ward at 755 with defensive holding, but you just you just had a lot of, of that kind of stuff. And even um, <laughs> when when Gronkowski scored, there was a holding call. They just declined it, you know. Right. So, so all you, those calls were on the Kansas City defense. Yeah. Every yeah. last one of them. So you couple that with. The, the video of them grabbing on receivers as they're running their routes. And what does that tell you? Yeah, the game was chippy. It was chippy because the Bucs was like, oh, we coming for y'all. We coming for y'all. Y'all can't stop us. 
And the Chiefs didn't like that, so they yapped back, and there was pushing and there was shoving. But I would bet a dollar to a donut. I can't wait for the mic'd up thing to come out and the turning point uh, uh, show to come out where they have the, the, the mics turned up and you can hear what these guys are saying because I'm sure that's what was going on. You know, I think the second quarter. If I'm God, when I'm telling them, dude, I'm not catching no passes, but you are struggling to stay <laughs> with me. Get off of me. Like, you know, this is crazy. You're spending a lot of time <laughs> trying to stop me, and we're beating the brakes off of y'all. <laughs> the, the second quarter could be the whole turning point. It was a disaster. We are, I, I called three penalties already late in the quarter. We didn't even talk about the early quarter unnecessary roughness, 15 yards uh, enforced at the Tampa Bay 33. Um, it, it's, you know, it just was a really bad quarter. Their attitudes, their, and, and speaking of attitudes, you're a coach, you, you know, this, you know, they're football players, but they are also humans. Put into perspective the whole situation with Coach Reed's son, what happened, and do you think that might have had some level of an effect, even if not on the players, on the coaches? Because he was an assistant coach as well as being the son of the head coach. And you did have a situation where you had a child, five years old or so, who's like in critical condition. So it's not like it was just a fender bender and, you know, maybe he was a little drunk driving. You actually had some human uh, um, tragedy associated with that accident. You think, what do you think about that as a potential psychic impact on that game for the Chiefs? Uh, I don't see where it would have meant that much to the team, to tell you the truth. Uh, first of all, he's an assistant linebackers coach. So when it comes to game day, he doesn't have much to do. Um, as far as uh, Andy Reid is concerned, um, that question was asked of some of the players before the game, you know, did they think that that would have an impact on his being able to coach and all that? And they said, well, the game plan has been in for like two weeks. We've been working on this game plan. Nothing has changed. No big deal. Again, um, the lack of adjustments that he made, uh, maybe that on his mind had something to do with him having trouble making adjustments uh, when he needed to. But I believe that he just, as, as much as they prepared, they weren't prepared. You know what I mean? You have to be prepared for every scenario. And they just were not prepared. They had to, Todd Bowles is the MVP of the Super Bowl, if you ask me. He, he, he gave them something that they wasn't ready for, and they had no answer. They had no answer. That big old play sheet that Andy Reid carries around, and I'm sure he changes it from game to game somewhat, but when you have the type of offensive success that they've been having, how much are you going to change? This stuff's been working, and it's been beating everybody. It beat Tampa Bay during the season. So... You know what I mean? He kind of lulled himself to sleep, thinking that that would be enough. And it wasn't enough. And he didn't have nothing else to go to. They don't really have a short game. Yeah, they got some plays. And they got all that gimmicky stuff and the jet sweeps and all those things. Okay? But I'm not sure that – I think they kind of underestimated 
Tampa Bay's defense. I really do. You can't just roll the ball out there and say, okay, do what you've been doing. Because what has he been doing? He's been throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. Short here and there, but mostly intermediate to long and letting him get yak. And he's been banging the ball down the middle to Kelsey. Okay. That's their offense. That's their offense. And they had one more thing that they could have used that they didn't. And that was Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. The guy averaged 7.1 yards per carry. That's awesome. But he only had nine carries. <laughs> nine carries. That's terrible. They only threw the ball to him twice. Well, that's why I was saying I was kind of blaming the coaching because I'm like, dude. That's what I'm talking about. So when you talk about the accident and all, obviously it was on his mind because there was a child involved. The child was in critical condition. That was his biggest worry. His son was fine. His son's issues have been his issues. He's always had substance abuse stuff going on since he was with the Eagles. So yeah, how much worrying are you going to do about that? The fact that he had him on the team was, was straight nepotism, but he had to keep his arm around him and keep him nearby to try to control him a little bit. That's, that, that's the reason he keeps him around, so he can keep him close and watch over him because he knows that the guy has problems. But he couldn't be but so worried about that. He was more worried about that child that could possibly die. You know what I mean? That had to be weighing heavy on his mind. I've heard people saying he should have pulled himself out. Of, he shouldn't even coach the game. He should have gave it to the enemy and said, you know what? I'm going to go chill with my son and go visit these people and their kid at the hospital and this, that, and the other. People wouldn't have said he was wrong if he did that, do you think? I'm sure some people would, but I'm just saying. Would you say that was not an option? Um, I, I empathize with the situation and, and understand people saying that um, he has a lot of responsibility to a lot of people. And so I don't see that as so much of an option um, because of that, because he has a responsibility to his team to be there, you know, and, you know, at the most important time in their life. So I kind of expected it to play, but again, I, the human factor is the human factor and, you know, so I just had to ask how much you think it might have impacted them uh, in any event. And so, you know, what can, what can I say? What can I say? All right. Tampa Bay had their parade today. Everybody, they had a little boat parade. They didn't have so much of a regular parade. Uh, gonna, does D like the water? Because this next parade, she's going to have to go down and, and be on one of those boats. I hope she doesn't get... Uh, <laughs> sick or anything, you know? She's actually sitting right here and uh, <laughs> she's in her glory, so you know, in her glory. Oh, all it's funny, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team won the Stanley Cup, yeah. They had a they had a the similar they boat. Did the same thing, they did the thing on the boats too, for you know, for social distancing, right? Right, so that, that was a, the people that was on the boats. They, they ain't social distance at all, but I guess that's their, their yeah, crew. Well, they, they've been around each other all season. Right? Yeah, that's their crew, they yeah. scared now. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, that was that was a good look. I liked it. I liked it. I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. Um, I'm going to – I'm sure they'll be replaying it. But, um, yeah, I want to I take a look at that. 
All right, fantastic. Again, this is Ben and Barry on football. Um, want to mention that uh, we will be on Friday from 6 to 7.30. Uh, so on WJRL 95.3 at WJRLradio.com. So you'll be able to catch the show on the radio. Okay, Benny, again, this is Ben and Barry on football. Uh, let's do some commentary where we normally go to our Ben and Barry on football Facebook page for our subject matter. Ben, for the past two shows, you've talked about this young lady. And so I had to, she had her moment in the sun and I was able to catch it and put it up on our Facebook page. Lori Locus on coaching in the NFL. Um, she has a nice little video here. You can watch her video on Ben and Barry on football. Um, but yeah, she's getting a little bit of notification. It was funny. One of the guys on Good Morning Football started talking about her and he wasn't sure about her last name. <laughs> it was like, you know, <laughs> they're still struggling, still struggling with this a little bit. Um, so, but again, we wanted to just get a congratulations there. This is someone from uh, Central Pennsylvania. She's right? actually from. She's actually from Philadelphia. Okay, from Philly. Okay, that's even better, as far as I'm concerned. He was um, coached on the uh, semi-pro team called the Piranhas. The Piranhas from Central PA, right? Yes, the team that your son played on. Team that my son played for. One of my players in flag football, and several flag football guys. Uh, in our league uh, actually played on that team and were coached by her. And they're all really proud of her. There is a black female GM, I think, at Tampa Bay that they talked about on one of the morning shows. We're going to find out a little bit more on her because um, I understand that she's uh, had a lot to do with building that, that, that uh, uh, player roster. Uh, in Tampa Bay. So we want to talk about that a little bit. All right, let's roll up. Uh, yeah, that's why I had this here, the coaching staff, so we could actually take a look at the coaching staff for both teams. You know, my son said something very interesting. He said, don't forget that Brady, in order to win this Super Bowl, he had to run the gauntlet of beating Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Pat Mahomes. <laughs> That's pretty impressive in and of itself to be able to say that on your way to Super Bowl, those are the three quarterbacks that you you did, you bested. You think that's impressive? I do. You don't? Okay, Chris thinks it's impressive. No, not that son. Junior. Oh, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Shout out to Barry down in Atlanta, my man. Okay. Um, I would I would say that that's pretty impressive. Um, it, it uh, boy, I I I don't want to go off the rails here, but I got to go off the rails here. Okay. The fact that you said that just before we even started doing this show. I'm on Facebook, and you know how people put up on Facebook um, top quarterbacks of all time, top point guards of all time, and they have them in tiers. Like okay. tier one is these guys, tier two is these guys, or they, they list them one through whatever, okay? 
So it was top quarterbacks of the last two decades or the last decade or something, or, uh-huh. or since, since 2000, I think it was. And Eli was on the list. Oh. Now, obviously, the guy that put the post up is here in Philadelphia with us. Obviously, most of the people that follow him on Facebook are Philadelphia people. Okay. So people are going on there and they're saying so-and-so should be higher. This guy before this guy. And at least four people, maybe five, said, why is Eli even on this list? I have heard this so many times. So let's just take what you just said, what what Lil Barry said, okay? In 2011, Eli and the Giants were 10 and six. Around week 14, week 15, they played the Patriots who were undefeated. Randy Randy, Moss year, right? Randy Moss team, the 50 touchdown season, okay? They played a great game. The Patriots beat them at the end of the game. And I think I called you on the phone and I said, they got the blueprint. I think so. That all got better. They were 10 and six. I was like, we struggling to to, to make the playoffs. These other teams better take note. The Giants have the blueprint to beat Brady. And then Eli got Atlanta at home with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Roddy White, Dusted them like 24 to two or something. It was crazy. Then they went to Lambeau Field, beat Brett Favre. Then they went to Candlestick. They beat Alex Smith, but he had Crabtree. He had um, Davis, the tight end boy. Back when he Vernon, was- Vernon Davis. Yes, Vernon Davis. And they had Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman. Their defense was stacked. Oh, God, I love that defense. Eli beat them, too. (laughs) Then he beat Brady. And they were undefeated. Was that impressive? Yeah, yeah, that was impressive. I needed that that to be out there in the universe. Mm -hmm. Because people hate on Eli so much. And I don't sit on here and talk about my Giants a whole lot, okay? But I had to get that in. Just because of what you said there, okay. So that's I'm I'm done now. Okay. <laughs> People forget. But we do agree that was a pretty impressive run. Absolutely. For, for Absolutely. Brady. All right. Absolutely. Okay. We do, we do agree on that. And, and oh, let me tell you because you know last week the the bias plus report favored the Bucks. You went with the bias plus report. You made me choose a team. I went with the. I chief. made you. I put a gun to your head. Yes, you did. And I made you. It was like a ritual gun to my head and said, "You have to. You got to make a choice. You never make a choice." So I made the choice. I went with the Chiefs because yep. they they had higher levels of talent that they could overcome. And we didn't know how bad the line situation is. I even asked you specifically about the line, and we didn't feel as if the line was completely outmatched. Um, and in a way, you know, they again. Whether they were or were not, I, I felt that different things could have been could have been done to help them out. But long story short, I'm the Madden guy here, and I, I was haunted by the experience of playing. I, I with my Niners, I played against the two Super Bowl teams, and I could not run the ball well on Tampa Bay at all. 
and I couldn't, I was, couldn't beat them. And I was able to do exactly that, run the ball <laughs> on the Chiefs <laughs> and beat I the said that last week, bro. Virtual game. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, geez, I don't know. Maybe I should have went with the only good thing is because of Lori Locust, I told you at least I have a rooting interest in the Bucks. <laughs> yes, you, you did Lord. say that. So, but you picked the Chiefs. But I picked the, the Chiefs. Same reason that most other people picked the Chiefs. Yes, okay. they did. And I wasn't, I think I even used my famous, I wasn't poo-pooing uh, the Chiefs offensive line, okay? Because I actually made some notes here. The biggest loss was Eric Fisher, who went down in the Bills game in the AFC Championship. Yeah, that was. That's the starting left tackle that played all season. And yeah. he's the main guy on that line, yeah, okay? No but uh, Kalichi Osameli went down with tendon tears in both knees in week five. Mitchell Swartz went down with a back injury in week six. He, he was hurt, came back, and got hurt again. Okay, I think that was against uh, – Osamelli went down against the Raiders. He went down in the Bills game during the season. Okay, so week five, week six, the rest of the season, those other guys were playing, and they were winning, and nobody said anything until Fisher went down. Then they're like, oh, it's patched up. And the reason they said it was patched up was because somewhere around midseason or so, they got Wisniewski, who I think is a guard, and brought him from Pittsburgh. I don't know how they got him. I don't know if they cut him or they traded or whatever. So they grabbed Wisniewski. And then when Fisher went down, they took Remmers, the right tackle, and moved him to left tackle. Sometimes moving guys around is worse than just plugging people in. Okay. Yeah, especially if you got a quarterback and you don't know where he's going to be at any moment. What's <laughs> the ball is snapped? <laughs> Again, these are all things that y'all were saying was so great about him. It ended up being to their detriment. Okay. In, in a way, yeah, yeah. It, it was, well, it was to their detriment because, again, like you said, they didn't make the necessary adjustment. And, and it's on the coaches to know just how bad that matchup really looks. Because that that tells you kind of what you really have to do, you know. And so they they obviously didn't have a good handle on that. But yeah, I was a bit haunted by my experience with not with Madden. I was like, can't be these, these Bucks is rough, man, you know. And Brady's super efficient, you know. Efficiency wins in the NFL. It really does. Something else very interesting, and I, I may not have everything exactly right. Remmers. The right tackle that the Chiefs moved to left tackle after Fisher got hurt. I know what you're going to say. Say it. You heard it too, right? He played for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. On their line when they played in the Super Bowl against the Broncos. The Broncos. Didn't I talk about that game last week? Yes. And, <laughs> and what's his name? Was lighting Remmers up. He was blowing hey, by him. APP on that side? No, 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 no. It was um, Shaq? No, 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 on the Broncos, the Broncos, the Broncos. Oh, 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 oh yeah, yeah. You're talking about on the Broncos, right, right. The the, the, the end for the Broncos. Yeah, the, the, the Russian linebacker. Yeah. He didn't yeah. play this year. He was blowing by him like he was a freaking revolving door. 
Yeah. But Shaq Barrett was on that Broncos team. He was a young boy. Okay. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time. But he remembered what that guy did to Remmers. Right. He had all the moves. <laughs> he, knew, he knew everything that would beat Remmers. Wow. And he told everybody else. Wow. JPP wow. knew. He knew. They moved Sue to end sometimes. Okay. And put JPP inside. Oh, they was playing games. Okay. They were ready, man. They were ready for this game. The Kansas City Chiefs got outplayed, outcoached, and out physical. Period. Forget the penalties. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think that we should give a shout out then to the uh, Kansas City, no, not, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs field goal kicker. Yes. Yes. Right, suck up. Congratulations for being no, the Kansas kicker is uh, Butker. Butker, okay. Harrison Butker kicked three field goals. One was 34 yards, one was 49, one was 52. The only Chief to score in the Super Bowl, 55. Yes, and 49 and 52-yard field goals is nothing to sneeze at. Nothing at all, nothing at all. All right. Well, it's the offseason, Benny. We'll be adjusting the shows, and we got so many things that are coming up as a part of the NFL operations uh, within, you know, the next month or so, a lot of things happening. So we'll, we'll try to stay on top of things. Uh, video's still coming out. Our show will be on uh, Friday uh, from 6 to 7.30 on WJRL 95.3 at WJRLradio.com. And PM. again, hmm? PM. PM, yes, that's in the evening. That's drive time. And again, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, www.benandbarryonfootball.com, goes directly to our YouTube page where all of our videos is are there and uh, we have a pretty good list now so all right that wraps it up for me for right now any final comments mr dickerson um peeping over here to my television and i see they are replaying the super bowl so i'm going to go and watch it again and also the pttfl will be coming back uh to your local uh neighborhood playgrounds uh believe late in march early March, middle March. I have to get you a date on that. We have to do our uh, fall league playoffs. We're going to do it all in one day. We're going to do a tournament style playoffs. First round through the championship, knock it all out in one day. And then we'll be starting back up for the spring um, later in March or early April. So besides that, go Knowles. <laughs>